Blessed be the name. 
Where I need to 
Thank you, Jesus. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Amen. We're not crazy about waiting, are we? Amen. Yeah. But God said, in my time, until then, wait, believe, keep sowing your seed. Keep watering it with the tears of prayer and faith. Keep standing on the word. But God watches over his word to perform it. And he has a time and he has a season. So don't despair if the season seems like it's taking longer. As usual, when God's, you know, God has a plan and a timing. And usually we want it a little sooner than he wants to give it. But until then, he says, let your face stretch. Let your confidence in me remain. And remember, the waiting time is not wasted time. The waiting time is never wasted time for people of faith. Because it's in that time our roots can go down deeper. In that time, God begins to prune off a lot of things that were counterfeits. We thought it was real, but it wasn't. But as we continue to stand on that promise and continue to intercede and pray, God says, when my time comes, that promise will birth forth. You will rejoice in it. And you'll testify the goodness of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Children, you are dismissed to children's church. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Oh, what a good looking group. Amen. Glory to God. Glory to God. Amen. If you have your Bibles, if you'd go to the book of Colossians, Colossians, the first chapter. We're continuing a series we just began last week in the book of Colossians, and we'll preach a number of sermons through it. This week we'll look at a pastor's prayer. Colossians, the first chapter, and if you look at verse number nine, we'll read just a few verses. Paul writes, for this reason, since the day we heard about it, we have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and you may please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work and growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience and joyfully giving thanks to God who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. I'm going to talk this morning about a pastor's prayer. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you saw fit to record certain prayers. Because they were prayers inspired of your Holy Spirit. And they're prayers that really show us your heart and reveal to us your desire for each one of us. Give us ears to hear this morning and hearts to receive and respond. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen, amen, amen. A pastor's prayer. Like we said, we have just begun this series of sermons from Colossians. And the theme of this book of Colossians is the complete sufficiency of Jesus Christ. The complete adequacy of Jesus Christ. And the purpose of the letter was simply this. Paul's in his first Roman imprisonment. It's kind of like a house arrest and... Um, He writes this letter because false teachers and false teachings were beginning to spread their poison, confusing and deceiving the faith of these young believers. Now, false teachings and 
deceptive revelations and the greatest lie, the most harmful deception, we said, was the attack on the person and the work of the Lord Jesus, who Jesus really was and what Jesus really accomplished on the cross. They would say things like, well, um, salvation in Christ alone, that's not enough. You, you need this revelation or you need to add this good work to it. They might say Jesus was a good man, but, you know, he was just one of many, many spirit beings that came from the father to, to talk to us. And they, they would. And we said before, if you miss who Jesus is and what he did, you miss everything, including heaven. See, they would give Jesus a place, but not the supreme place. Jesus must be preeminent, not just prominent. He must be preeminent. That means above all others in rank and in worth and in value and honor. Child of God, make sure Jesus Christ has a preeminent place in your heart and in your home and in your life. Give him first place in every area. That's where he belongs. Can you say amen? Now, Paul began this letter by expressing last week, we touched on this, his thankfulness concerning um, the good things that he heard about this young church. Last week, he gave thanks because he heard of their faith in Christ Jesus. Not their faith in faith, not their faith in a church or a denomination, but their faith in the risen Son of God. And then he said, I give thanks because I've heard of your love one for another. Because if you love Jesus, you should love the people of Jesus. Amen? And then he said, I give thanks because I've heard of your hope in the Lord. Their hope in God's eternal reward that awaits them and that is like an anchor of the soul for them. The hope in the Lord, their eternal reward that awaits for them, but also energizes them as they live this life and they walk out this walk of faith. And we stressed last week, and I think it bears repeating that whatever you do, whatever you go through, do not lose your hope. Don't lose your hope in Jesus. Don't lose your hope in heaven. Don't lose your hope in the amazing grace of God that will bring you through and make a way and carry your burden. Oh, friend, whatever you do, you can fight the good fight of faith. Do not lose your hope in the Lord. Remember, he that began a good work in you, he's going to finish that work. Can you say amen? Don't lose your hope. Life might knock you down. Get up. You have a hope in Christ. Bad reports might come. Don't lose your hope. God's not done. And he has the last say in every situation. But now Paul writes to them the prayer he's been praying for them. And again, it's a beautiful study to study the prayers of the Apostle Paul. Ephesians has a couple of powerful prayers. It's impressive because we know the, script, the prayers he prayed that are recorded in Scripture were prayers that the Holy Spirit inspired. These are divine prayers. These are prayers from, we could call this instead of the pastor's prayer, the Father's prayer. But these are prayers the Holy Spirit wrote from the heart of the Father. So we know God's will. We know what God is trying to say. So the Lord, that he would choose to record these wonderful prayers in the Bible should encourage you and I to take a little closer look to see what they're saying and receive from them what they're trying to pass on to us. So after giving thanks, Paul gives his heartfelt prayer and he prays that the church would be so filled with the knowledge of God that it would enable them to live worthily of the Lord, pleasing him in everything. We summarize the prayer. They pre-praise that you might know the will of God and you might have the power to live out the will of God. Amen. That God might show us what we need to know to know him and he might give us the strength to live out that life of God. 
This is a, um, this worthy walk, as Paul writes. This worthy walk involves fruitfulness. It involves growth. It involves endurance and impatience and having an attitude of joyful thanksgiving for God's work in our lives. So verse nine, we begin. The prayer begins by asking that we be filled with the ever-growing knowledge of the will of God. In the context, he wants the church to understand what God has done in and through Jesus Christ. Remember, that's where the false teachers are really attacking and bringing their confusion. And God wants you and I to know and appreciate and appropriate everything Jesus Christ has done for us. He wants to understand the fullness of this great salvation, to understand what happened on Calvary, to understand what happened when the Son of God shed his precious blood and set you and I free. What happened that day we called on his name and the Holy Spirit came and made us new creatures in Christ Jesus, to understand all that we have now and forevermore in and through Jesus Christ. It is a great salvation. Amen. Now listen the false teachers, um, they're saying you need you need some fresh revelation. You need a new experience. Christ alone wasn't enough. But Paul says, listen, if you have Jesus, you got it all. He says, if you have Jesus, you have it all. Now you just need to grow in that knowledge. Now you just need to develop and deepen in that faith. Now it's time to advance in the practical outworking of this Christian experience. Paul writes to the Philippians and he gives them some instruction on how to do this. Philippians 2 verses 12 and 13. I think it's a familiar verse where where Paul tells us to work out this salvation. To work it out. He says, therefore, my dear friends, as you've always um, obeyed, not only in my absence, in my presence, but now in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. He's not saying to work for it. You already got it. He's saying now work it out. And that word work it out is like they would take it from the, the, the Bible days, the mines, where there'd be precious ores or mineral in a mine. It was in there, but you had to work it to bring it out. And, and Paul was saying, now listen, since you've been saved, God has made a divine deposit on your life. And now he wants a return from that divine deposit. And we work out, not work for, but we work out by discovering and developing, by learning, by living, by understanding by applying we take what has been placed in us through the holy spirit and we begin to live it and we begin to grow in it we begin to mature in it we begin to have a greater understanding of it and therefore a better application of it in our daily lives what am i doing i'm working out my salvation verse 12 says you have to do your part to work out what god has put in but good news verse 13 says we don't have to do this alone we have a partner, the Holy Spirit of God that works with us to develop us and expand us and mature us. How Paul writes it, it's verse 13. It's God who works in you. He says, you work out your salvation. You do your part to grow in God. You don't need a new experience over there. There's no new revelation coming. You feed on the word of God. You walk prayerfully with the living God and you take what God has put in you and you mature it and you develop it. If you don't understand it, let me put it like this. You see those beautiful children that want this children's church. You see the precious ones that are in the nursery. For all we know right now, many of them might have the potential within them to be a brain surgeon. 
Amen? They might have the potential, and then there'll be some physical scientists taking courses I can't even spell. Amen? Now, right now, you don't want them operating on you. But the potential's been put in. It's in there. It's in there. Now they got to work it out. Now they got to grow. Now they got to study. Now they got to mature. Now it's got to be tested. Now it's got to be tried. The minute you get born again, you are born again by the Spirit of God. You are a new creature. The same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. It's that seed of God that was birthed within you, a new creature. But now we're babes in Christ when we start out. We're just children in the Lord. And we got to grow up in this salvation. And we got to mature in it. What am I doing? I'm working out my salvation. I'm growing in the Lord. I'm learning about it and I'm living it. I'm, I'm, I'm applying it and I'm practicing it. And I know that I don't have to do it alone. But Paul says, it's not I that lives, Christ lives in me. And here he says, it is God who works in you to will and to act. God will help us grow. God will help us mature. But I have to do my part to grow in the things of God. Can you say amen? The will of God for each one of us we see in this prayer is that we would grow in what we have. That we would mature in what we possess. That we would press into the riches and the depths of this salvation. As Paul said again and again, I haven't arrived. Forgetting what's behind, I'm pressing on to more. I'm reaching further for God. The believer gives the effort. The Holy Spirit gives the assistance. Hear me? The believer gives the effort. The Holy Spirit gives the assistance. Every time you do your devotions, you're doing the effort. But the Holy Spirit is there to make it alive, to teach you, to explain it to you, to help you live it out. You're making the effort by honoring God's house, by spending time in prayer. But the Holy Spirit, we are to enjoy these wonderful privileges and exercise the new authority we have and grow in this. We don't need a new experience, Paul is saying. We need to grow in the experience we have. We have right now, we are new creatures in Christ Jesus. We have already passed from death to life. The same spirit that raised Christ, it does right now dwell in us. But now the call to all of God's people, let's go on in Christ. Let's grow up in the Lord. Let's advance in this great salvation. Let's learn about what we have now that we're sons and daughters of God. And let's do something about it. Let's respond by growing, maturing, and becoming the ones God's called us to be. Can you say amen? We grow in the Lord as we grow in the knowledge of his will. There's learning and there's applying. There's learning and there's living. There's learning and there's practicing. Notice on um, verse 9, for this reason, since the day we've heard about you, we've not stopped praying for you. What are you praying, Paul? We're asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will. The knowledge of his will. See, when Paul prays and tells his friends that they might have wisdom and understanding, he's praying that they might understand the great truths of Christianity. Again, what happened on Calvary? What does it mean now that I am a son or a daughter of the living God and I am born again? What's the therefore after I've received Christ? Once I've sincerely received Christ, what's the there for? What does it mean about the rest of my life? How do I live it out now? What's expected of me now? Again, Paul's praying that they might understand the great truths of Christianity and may be able to apply. 
those great truths to the different tasks and decisions that will meet us in everyday living. And that's where I really need it. You know, William Barclay warns. A man might quite easily be a master of theology and a failure in living. Let me read that again. A man might quite easily be a master of theology and a failure in living. Able to write and talk about the eternal truths and yet helpless to apply them in the things which meet him every day. You see, a Christian must know what Christianity means, not in a vacuum, but in the business of living. How does it work at home? How does it work on the job? How does it work in the shop? How does it work in the store? How does it work on the ball field? You see, where Paul writes here in 9b, he says, be filled with this understanding. Be filled with this understanding. We know that in the New Testament, when that word filled is used, it means be controlled by it. Be governed by it. Be led by it. Be ruled by the knowledge of his will. When Paul writes, be filled with the Holy Spirit, what's that mean? He's saying, be controlled by the Holy Spirit. Be led of the Holy Spirit. Let your words and let your thoughts and let your actions be governed by the Spirit of God. You know, someone says they're filled with the Spirit, but they live recklessly and frivolously. We know that either they're not filled or they leaked. Because being filled doesn't mean you act weird, like you put your finger in a light socket. When the Bible says be filled with the Spirit, be controlled by the Spirit of God. Be governed by the Spirit of God. How you walk and how you talk and how you think and how you respond. Paul writes, I'm asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will. Through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Heaven's prayer for you and I is number one. That we might know God's will and apply it. That we might live it out in every area of our lives. That we might know what's expected of us. But we also know what has been given to us now that we are sons and daughters of God. That we might know these wonderful privileges and these glorious benefits that are given to us through the blood of Jesus Christ. The authority of the believer, the riches of salvation. Now note very simply, we won't go deep into this because we, we teach weeks classes on discerning the specific will of God. So we're not going at that. But notice about the general will of God for our lives. Because this is where it starts. I need to know the will of God then so I can do the will of God. The general will of God is clearly revealed and attainable for every child of God. The will of God is not a mystery. It's not a hard thing. The general will of God. It's revealed and it's obtainable. We understand the will of God through the word of God. We understand the will of God through the word of God. Which means if you're not a person of the word, you put yourself at a great disadvantage when it comes to walking with God, walking victorious with God. Amen? That just make common sense. Amen. If God has given us his will and revealed all these wonderful things in his word, but I neglect the word, I put myself at a great disadvantage. So understand, we understand the will of God through the word of God. God tells us how to live life. And what he tells us is his will, the general will of God. How? Number one, Paul's praying, I want the church to know the will of God. I want you to really understand this great salvation you have. 
I don't want the devil to be able to mess with you and condemn you and lie to you and deceive you. I want you to walk in wisdom and understanding and the authority of the believer. I want you to understand what great thing happened the moment you received Christ and became a child of God. I don't want you to ignore the blessings, but I want you to bless the Lord, oh, my soul, and forget not those benefits. Enjoy them, employ them, and walk in them. Can you say amen? But secondly, now, verse verse 9, that we might know God's will and apply it to everyday lives. Spiritual intelligence. He prays, God, that they might know you, understand you, what's expected. But secondly, now, verse 10, this is the practical obedience that they might walk it out and live it out and demonstrate it with our lives. Looking at verse 10. Now, Paul says, I want you to be filled because and we pray this. The reason we're praying that, you know, the will of God and be filled with the will of God. We pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and you may please him in every way, bearing fruit. And good work, growing in the knowledge of God. Wow. Practical obedience. You see, in the Christian life, knowledge and obedience go together. Knowledge and obedience go together. There should be no separating our learning from our living. Again, Paul's second petition here, that the believer might live a life worthy of the Lord. Isn't that wonderful? God wants us to live worthy of him. He's deserving of that, is he not? I mean, he paid a great price for us. I don't think that's too hard of a thing to ask that we walk worthy. Live a life worthy of what Jesus has done and who Jesus is to us. Heaven's prayer is that we would conduct our lives in a manner that honors the Lord that we profess. That we'd properly represent him. That we would adequately express our appreciation to him by the life that we live. This is what Paul wrote about Romans 12. This is the living sacrifice. Let us be living sacrifices. Amen. Not, not a dead sacrifice, but a living, living sacrifice. A sacrifice, something is given over completely. Oh, and our lives are given over completely to live for God. Amen. That's what he's talking about. Walk worthy. Be a living sacrifice. This is what Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians when he talked about that, that, that dedicated ambassador of Christ. Someone that walks in boldly represents him and speaks for him. This is what he's talking about when he says live worthy. I pray and I study to know God and to know his will. And I do that not so I can escape life, but in order that I might be better able to meet life and to face life. To live this life is more than a conqueror. To please the Lord, to walk worthy of the great Savior that I so love. Let's face it, we're not trying and we're not satisfied with just being a head knowledge people. Can I say amen? I know I got some company on this. We're not trying to live life. We're not satisfied with just being a head knowledge people. We earnestly desire to please the Lord. We love Jesus. We're not ashamed to let the world know we love him. He's been so good. He's done so much. Therefore, I just want to live in a way that pleases and honors him. Can you say amen to that? I mean, you can write it down. Who are the people you you cherish the most? It's got to be your spouse. It's got to be maybe your parent, maybe your children. They're the people you want to please the most, and they're the people you would never, ever want to hurt the most. You know what I mean? Am I, am, are you with me? Jesus needs to be in that list. Amen? We live the way we live. Because I don't want to disappoint the Lord. He's been doing good to me. I want to please Jesus. Amen? 
Jesus loved me. <laughs> he, he bought me through a lot of things. I, I, I want to please the Lord. So Paul tells us the kind of life that pleases the Lord is number one, a life that is lived worthy of the Lord. Now, you guys that were there, our last men's breakfast, we talked about a man's worthy walk, did we not? Oh, yeah, we talked about this word. Of course, we grabbed from Ephesians where Paul used it to walk worthy of this great calling. And we explained what this word means. It's the word. You know how those, remember the scales that were kind of, you put things on them, you balance the scale? This is where this word comes from. And worthy literally means bringing up the other beam of the scale. Walk worthy. That means my profession ought to be balanced by my practice. That means my calling as a Christian ought to be balanced by my conduct as a Christian. I'm walking worthy when that balance, amen? Oh, praise God. So number one, I'm living worthy. And I'm bearing fruit in every good work. Again, look at now, this is B, A, 10B. I'm living a worthy life and pleasing God. And now I'm bearing fruit in every good work. You see that? Bearing fruit. I want to please the Lord. If you love Jesus, you want to please the Lord. Paul is revealing through the prayer inspired by God himself. How do you please me? By walking worthy of me. If you profess me, you ought to live at a certain level. If you say you're a Christian, your life ought to live at a certain level. That's called walking worthy, living worthy. Amen. But secondly, you ought to be um, bearing fruit in good works. Our lives are about something. Our lives stand for something. Our lives should be accomplishing something. Glory be to God forevermore. Oh, my. Now, this word, this word is in the present tense. You see, the Christian life is to exhibit continual fruitfulness. Productive lives. We're good stewards of the life we have on this earth. We're producing things that bring glory to God. Our lives should be doing good works for the Lord. We're givers. We're doers. We're producers. We're about our father's business. The Bible says of Jesus in Acts 10 that he was anointed of the father and he went about doing good. Healing those that were oppressed and attacked by Jesus went about doing good. And then he said to his followers how I went about doing good in the same way. In the same way. You let your light so shine before men that they might see your good works and glorify your father. That you would live life and you would touch lives and you would be about doing good in the earth. That people would see that and glorify God. Let's look at that verse together. It's Matthew 5 and 16. These are the words Jesus says. Listen, if you belong to me, let your light so shine before men. You can't be a, 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 what do you call it, a spy. You know what I mean? In the closet. Come out of the closet. God knows everything else in this story world is. It's time for the Christian to come out of the closet and say, I'm a believer, I'm a Christian, and I'm going to make an impact on my world. Good Lord, we let everything else protest. About time the church put a trumpet in their mouth. Woo! I'm going to leave that there and get back to my notes. Because I feel death started stirring, brother. I'm telling you, we got to get bold. It's, it's a sick thing to be ashamed of the gospel. He said, if you're ashamed of me, I will be ashamed of you. I don't want him ashamed of me on that day. If he's ashamed of you on that day, you're not making it. 
want to live a life that is unashamed for Jesus. Amen? God knows the perverts are and everything else. Oh, Lord, I left the notes. It's about time, church, wake up. Come on, wake up. Let's be bold. Righteous should be as bold as a lion. Amen? Isn't that right? We got something to shout about. We got something to sing about. We got truth. We got the message of eternal life. My Lord. I want to please God by living worthy and by bearing fruit and good works. Let your light so shine before men that they might see your good works and glorify your father in heaven. We're in the blessing business. We're part of this world's solution. We're making it a better place. We're making it a pure place. We're making it a more righteous place, a more compassionate place. Others matter to God, so they got to matter to us. We're here to help the hurting. We're here to care for the suffering. We're here to oppose the oppressor. We're here to expose the lie of the deceiver. We're loving not in word, but in action and in truth. We're carrying out the Savior's commission like a herald of old. We've got good news. Hear you, hear you. We've got good news of hope, good news of mercy, good news of grace, good news of power. He'll set you free and make you whole and break the and clear up the deception all giving ourselves to be his instrument to be his tool and to be his vessel we have listen we have you have a message to tell and you have a ministry to give my lord let me say that again you have a message to tell and you have a ministry to give we've got a message to tell if you've been a recipient of this great hope that we cry about and shout about then you have a message of hope to give to a hurting world that is lost and broke down, broke busted and disgusted. And they need to hear there's hope in Jesus Christ. They need to hear there's someone that will lift them up from their depression and set them free from their bondage and cleanse them and forgive them from all their sins and mistakes. There is hope in Jesus Christ. There's forgiveness in Jesus Christ. There is purpose in Jesus Christ. And we have a message to tell our world. We have a message and you've got a ministry. Don't you let the devil hide you. You've got lies to touch. You've got a message to give. You've got people to lift up in the name of the Lord. Oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. You have something to give. God has made a divine deposit within you and God is orchestrating divine opportunities for you. God has made a divine deposit within you. You have been anointed. Oh, yeah. Oh, you've been anointed by the Spirit of God to represent Him. You've been giving a ministry to touch lives and to lift lives. And, and God says, I have made a divine deposit within you. And I am orchestrating events and opportunities for you. You have lives to touch. The devil doesn't want you to know that. The devil's afraid that you'll know what God has for you. The devil doesn't want you to understand how dangerous you are to the devil's kingdom. He doesn't want you to know that if you'll give yourself fully to the Lord, God can use you in ways that'll blow your mind. God will use you in ways that'll amaze you. God will use you in ways that'll make your family shake their head and say, we never thought, not you, not you. But oh, it's amazing when a life, a man or a woman will give themselves wholly to Jesus. It's amazing what God can do to a yielded life, to a 
a surrendered life. And God says, if you'll just give me your life, fully give me your life, I'll use your life and I'll have a message to flow through you. I've got ministry to give through you. And through your life, you'll change others by my grace. God says, number one, I want you to live a life worthy. Let's remember who we represent in everything we do. We represent the Lord Jesus. Let it affect our homes. Let it affect us on the job. Let it affect our thought life. Let it affect how we spend our time, our talents, our treasures. But also, we're to bear fruit in good works. Let's get busy doing something for eternity. Let's get busy touching someone for God. Touch the children. Touch the old ones that have been forgotten. Go ahead and touch the down and out. Go ahead and reach the academic world. Go into every man's world. The Great Commission going to all the world. Brother Roberts used to say, go into every man's world. There's a businessman's world. Someone's got to go there. There's an athlete's world. Someone needs to go there. There's children. They need to go. Someone needs to go there. There's people in the old folks' home that still haven't bowed their knee to Jesus. Someone needs to go there. And as you go, you have a message to tell. And you have a ministry to give. Heaven's prayers. Heaven's prayers. Heaven prays that we would live worthy. I want to walk worthy. Ah, and be fruitful in good works. I want to be about the Father's business. God's got something for you to do. Hallelujah. Number three, 10C, heaven's prayer. I want to grow. God wants us to grow in the knowledge of God. Do you see that? Bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. You know, sometimes people get imbalanced. Amen. But God wants some symmetry in our lives. Just remember, about 100 years ago, I felt like when I used to work out. You know? <laughs> you ever see you guys work out? You ever see a guy? He, he got like pencil legs. Amen? He got a big upper body, nothing from the waist down. Amen? Not symmetry, right? From head to toe, you need to be, right? It needs to flow. It all needs to look good. Amen? Even the belly, it got to look good. It all got to flow. You know, sometimes Christians, they, 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 get, they get lopsided. Amen? And I don't mean you've just been going to Fred's too much. No, and I, mean, I, mean, I mean spiritually lopsided. And some people just, I'm going to study and 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 I know all this stuff. That's good. But what are you doing? And other people, I'm just going to grow and grow and grow and do and do and do and do and do, but wait. You need to grow a little bit. He says here that we might do good works, but also we might grow in the knowledge of God. See that balance? Some people I just want to do. I just want to do. I get nervous sometimes. We should turn that clock back around. Turn it around. Take away my guilt. Amen. Um, you know, sometimes when new people come into the church and get saved, if they if they lean heavily on the, the gift of help side, some people have what we call the gift of helps. They love to do practical things. I'll do practical things when they need to be done, but I don't cartwheel saying, yippee. We get to mow the lawn. No, people like Jerry love it. No, they love it. They clean these guys, get out there, keep these grounds looking good. They do it as their ministry unto the Lord and they do it with joyful hearts. Amen. 
And you know if they ever walk by your house in the morning picking up garbage. They're laughing, they're jollying, they're just, and they're doing it unto the Lord. Now, now I would do it if it needed to get done, but trust me, there can be no cartwheeling. There can be no, yippee, I can't wait to wake up tomorrow morning. And, amen? But some people just have a natural, it's a gift of God called the gift of helps. But when I see young Christians come in with the gift of helps, I always try to sit on them a little bit. But it's just too easy for them to volunteer or they get easily recruited and they never get to sit enough on a Wednesday night or on that Sunday school where they can grow and mature. And you can watch certain people that have that gift of helps and they'll, they'll get so busy doing stuff, stuff that needs to get done, but doing stuff that you watch them over the years, they haven't matured as they should if they haven't in their private time been studying the book and growing in that grace. Amen? Of course, then there's the other type that, bless their hearts, as we like to say. They're studying, they're reading, man, they're real deep. But bless their hearts, you know, if this, if this thing needs to be swept, they'll walk over it and wait for someone else to do it. They'll never get with the program and start working a little bit. Amen? See, there's a balance in it, isn't there? Yeah. All right, I'll leave. Hey, there's a man right there. Look at that. Brother Engelman, look at that. You see? <laughs> I forget. Looking good there. Looking good. Got that jacket. Looking good. All right. Growing in the knowledge of God. God wants you to walk worthy. God wants you to bear fruit, be busy, doing good works. But God wants you to grow spiritually. The Christian should not only bear the fruit of good works in his life, he should at the same time experience personal, spiritual enlargement, growing. Again, that's another present tense right there. Growing faith to faith. Glory to glory. 2 Peter 3 and 18. 2 Peter 3 and 18. And again, Peter gets to the end of his letter and he's dealing with similar things there. False teachings and false teachers. But he says, listen, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The call of God, grow. In your Christian experience, grow, get to know him better, get to understand his word better. But some people can get so busy doing good works that over a period of time, it's like they stopped getting educated in fourth grade. Amen. Where others got three PhDs in spiritual things, but we can't get them to volunteer to do anything when we need help. And there's a balance. There's a balance. So be intentional. What do we talk about all the time? It's intentional Christianity, not accidental Christianity. You're not going to grow accidentally. You'll grow intentionally in any good thing, in any good thing. Hey, be intentional, faithful, disciplined to do the things that will help you to grow. You do the reading. You do the praying. You do the attending. Those are the things that help us to grow. We should know and be more like Jesus now than when we first began this race of faith. Can anyone say amen to that? I know, I know we haven't arrived yet. That's true. But oh, how far he's brought us. Come on, how far he's brought us. He's brought us a mighty long way. I don't know about you. He's brought us a mighty long way. Amen? Here's the prayer from heaven. If I'm going to please the Lord, if you're going to please the Lord, we're going to live lives worthy. We're going to bear fruit in good works. 
And we're going to do what it takes to grow in the knowledge of the Lord, to grow in grace. That's why we go to Sunday school. That's why we make the effort to make that midweek. Amen. That's why we do our devotionals and we study. We're growing and getting to know him better, abiding in that vine. 11a, number four. What else? What else? Next, we're going to be strengthened with his power. God wants you strong. And God has made available to every believer the strength and the power to live this life and live it as more than conquerors. Verse 11, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. Wow. You see, this is what this pleased the Lord, that his sons and daughters be strong in him, that they walk in the power that he has provided You and I are engaged in a conflict as Christians. It's a fight of faith. It's a walk of faith. We understand there's a real spiritual warfare. And nothing short of divine enablement will give us what it takes to win this race. To overcome in the hour of trial. God has given to his people power to live this life. Whoever you are this morning, hell likes to think, make you think you're weak or some kind of try to discourage you. But the fact remains that your heavenly father has given us all things pertaining to life and godliness. That God has given us the strength and power we need to live it out if we'll tap into it and learn how to, how can I use the word, flip the switch. That clock is being a torment today. Let me give you this teaching real quick because I want you to understand this. But you got the power. You got the power. You got the power? Any believers here? You got the power. Amen? You know, when we study the power words in the Bible, the energy words, energizo, kind of neat words, dunamis, dynamite, we study the energy words. Well, we find out there are certain words that speak of a power that is more um, um, an, an imparted power. It's a potential power, a storing power, a storing power. But then there's other words that speak of a working power. You know, there's power. A big battery has a lot of power, does it not? But when it's not turned on, that power's not working, is it? It's there, but it's not operating anything. Isn't that true? And so many times people say, ah, you say I got power. I read in the Bible I got power. But how do I get the power to work? You flip the switch. Wait a second. How do I get the power to work? Somebody say you flip the switch. What is it? Right in that same text, one wonderful power speaks of a power that's put within us and it's an abiding power. It's there. There's another power that's a working power. How do I turn the power of God loose in my life? How do I flip the switch? Well, trusting, obeying, believing, Trusting, resting, on and on. In his word, there's power, is there not? Peter, get out of that boat. That's all, that's all was needed. That's all that was needed. The power was there, amen? But he's not going to walk on water until he does what? He flipped the switch by obeying the word. You can read all about God being your provider, but if I don't walk in obedience, flipping the switch... I'll hold back the release and the working of that provision. Wow. So how do I release the power of God in my life? Obeying the word, believing the word, submitting to the word. Wow. Oh, but you got the power. Paul prays that they might be strengthened with God's power. 
And that's God's will for every one of our lives. Wherever you are, you have the power you need to live this life and to live it as more than a conqueror. You have, if you're a child of God, if you're born again, you have, you don't not looking for, you have the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells where, where, where? In you, in you, it's in you. It's not up in heaven somewhere. It's not in the evangelistic meeting somewhere. If you're born again, then the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells where? Well, it's in me. Now i got to get it to work through me and for me. How do I do that? I'm going to obey the book. I'm going to believe the book. I'm going to be a man of prayer. Amen. Because that recharges those batteries. That gets that fresh filling. Isn't that true? I'm going to step out in obedience. And I'm going to practice the principles and believe the promises. My action and my obedience releases the energy and the working of God's power. That word strengthened. It speaks of an available power that's continuously there for the child of God. In fact, it's that same root word in Philippians 4. We all love that word. I can do all things through Christ who what? Strengthens me. Same same root word here. Strengthens me. The power of God is continuously available to the child of God. It's there by the Holy Spirit that abides within us. And we work it as we trust as we obey, as we believe, as we act. Glory be to God. Because let's face it, we need the power of God if we're going to live this life like we ought to live it. If I'm going to be fruitful, if I'm going to be consistent, if I'm going to overcome, if I'm going to live worthy, I need the power of God. i got some things i got to overcome. Anybody else? i got some battles I need to, yeah. So I praise the Lord, God has provided power. For his children to live this life. And though we know trials are real and opposition is real, you have been empowered to overcome. Kind of like that um, child of God, like, like that spiritual Timex. You can take a licking, but what? Keep on ticking. Amen. All right, now let's close this down. Notice two things about the outworking of this power, specifically in this prayer. This is interesting. Because when we talk about power, I think in the natural, we we like to see that big creative power. We see the manifestation of mighty power of healings and and, and miracles, which God does. And we thank God for it. We certainly need it. But I want you to see the um, the two releases of this power that Paul, under the inspiration of the Spirit, puts in this prayer. This is very important. Sometimes we overlook the availability of God's power for certain things. And we limit that power to other things. So let's look at this together. The outworking of this power is seen. And again, this is interesting. It's seen in our endurance and in our patience. This power will enable you and I to live victoriously when we're dealing with challenging situations and or challenging people. And we're going to explain that. Paul singles out two workings of God's power. Again, as most significant For that church, for our lives. Again, not necessarily the power men like to see. Not necessarily the power the sensation seekers run all over the world to look at. This is the power that, as one writer put it, gives us the inner victories of the soul. Enables us to live like Jesus. To overcome and to prevail in the trials of life. Notice number one, here it says in verse 11. 
God says, I want to give you power. I give you my power. And I want you to learn how to release my power. So number one, you can have great endurance. Great endurance. That's an interesting word. It's fortitude. Um, it's steadfast. God gives us power to endure difficult circumstances. This word, endurance, deals with the ability to deal with and overcome in difficult circumstances. It's dealing with the circumstances of life. This word is never used for God the Father because he doesn't have any difficult circumstances. Amen? So it's never used for him. Jesus endured the cross, despising, but the God the Father. So great endurance. Notice this. I cannot always avoid the circumstances of life, but I can outlast them and I can endure them and I can overcome them because I've been given power to do so. I've been given power to have great endurance so I don't have to give up. I can press on. I don't have to stay down. I can rise up. God gives us power to endure. This is very practical working of God's power. Again, we like it when it's sensational. We, we like it when it's something. But Paul, under this, this is something very practical. The power of God is available so I can triumph over the circumstances that try to drag me down and defeat me and disqualify me. This word speaks of endurance when circumstances are difficult. That's how the word in the Greek is used. Endurance when circumstances are difficult. The opposite of despondency, of cowardice. But it gives me the ability to deal triumphantly with anything life can throw against me. Again, the context, circumstances. Now this is important if I'm going to finish my race. But it's also very important, this characteristic if I'm going to mature and grow and become the one God's called me to be. It's an important quality if I'm going to develop the gifts God has entrusted to me. You know, the first time, <laughs> first time he got on them drums, I bet he didn't sound like he sounds now. Then he came into that. I mean, he plays awesome. But I bet the first time I picked up sticks, he didn't play that. Isn't that right? Isn't that right? And if there's no endurance, you quit after three piano lessons. That's why most people, all you can play is twinkle, twinkle, little. Don't even get a star. I mean, that's all you can play. There's you quit. And what is it? So, some people's idea. I, I love to speak a language. All the guys to gusto who got el and stopped right there. Amen. That's where it ended. Because you didn't, because you took three lessons and you quit. Anyone that's ever developed a talent or a gift knows this word. Because there's an enduring power that takes us from potential to the real possibilities that God puts. That takes us from just having a little bit of a a talent to something that's mature and polished and sharp and very strong and very effective. It's an important thing to know there's power to endure circumstances. So I can finish this race. Praise God for that. I want to finish. we got to finish. If you don't finish, you lose. But also, not just to finish someday, get to heaven, but that while I'm here, I can mature and grow, and I can take the things God has given me, and sharpen them, and use them, and develop them. I don't want to be so He had some potential, but. He had some possibility, but. But what happened? He never worked it. He didn't keep it going. He didn't prevail and endure, so it could really become something. Very important characteristic for the mature Christian. And this is where we develop other traits. This is how we get to deeper levels of Christ-likeness and spiritual muscle. It's endurance in action. Let us run the race with perseverance. Let us run the race with perseverance. You see, victory and real growth come to those who can exercise fortitude 
Endurance. In the face of. Endurance. Fortitude. In spite of. A steady determination that keeps its character. That keeps its Christian conduct. That continues on doing what they know would be worthy of the God they praise and espouse. God gives you and I power and strength to endure and persevere in the face of hard circumstances. So whatever you're facing, I want you to know the devil's a liar if he's saying you can't make it or you won't complete the task. You have a power within you from heaven that will enable you to continue on and to press on and to overcome everything and anything life tries to throw against you. But let's not stop there. God's power is expressed in helping us to endure circumstances that are hard, but also it helps us to endure people that are hard because the next word is the word patience and this word is used of God because he's patient with mankind that's why he doesn't judge he wants us saved amen but see the next word is a different word great endurance and patience God says I give you power to deal with circumstances guess what I'm going to give you power to deal with people that's where some of the greatest problems lie God gives us strength to deal with people some of your King James long suffering not only to deal with hard circumstances, deal with hard people and difficult people. Again, this is very practical outworking, isn't it? How many homes could have a different temperature if people understood God gives them power to deal with people that are hard to deal with? But sometimes I can close the door on the circumstance out there, but you can't close. Oh, thank you, Lord. Come on, give me it. Go and give it to me. Give it to me. I can take it. This word is used about God when it's patient with mankind. But here it is. This, this means I can respond opposite of wrath, retaliation, revenge. This attitude refuses to retaliate in spite of injury or insult. This is the power that gives us the ability to bear with people in their unpleasantness, unteachableness, and sometimes their flat out unwillingness to want to get along. And to meet us halfway. Without us being driven to bitterness and ugliness. Great example on that cross. Father, forgive them. They know not what they're doing. You know, sometimes we like to say it like this. What is the sandpaper ministry of the Holy Spirit? It's when God uses some rough people to make you and I smoother. God can use one grouchy person at work to do more than three revival meetings can do. Where the sandpaper of someone's rough edges will smooth us and make us more and more like Jesus. Can you say amen? And it's this power and this patience that allows you not to endure that and to keep loving and keep walking sweetly and tenderly in such a situation. All right. Now, God, remind yourself, God has given you Power to deal with difficult and challenging people. Don't look at your spouse right now. Just look at me. Amen. Not a good move there, Baba. Not a good move. Amen. Let me wind this down. Paul prays for fortitude, endurance, which no situation can defeat, and patience, long-suffering, which no person can defeat. God says, I'll give you power that you can overcome circumstances and you can overcome people. 
He prays that for the Christian, no circumstance will defeat his strength. And no person will defeat his love. And then he ends it by one last thing. He talks about our joy and our gratitude. That as a child of God, because we have this great inheritance, because we have so much that Christ has done and so much to look forward to, what should mark a Christian? An attitude of joy. An attitude of gratitude. We're a thankful people. And we're a joyful people. Because God's been real good to us. Amen? He's brought us so far. He's got even so much more that awaits. So our attitude as we walk through this life, we know it won't always be like this. We know we're just passing through. Amen? We're looking for a city whose builder and maker is God. Amen? And so there's another way we please God. You know, it's a true story that, that, that historians, Roman historians, not, not Christian historians, but Roman historians, one of the things they marked down about this sect called Christians was their joy. They were being thrown to the lions, but they had joy. They had been ripped away from their families, falsely accused, burned at the stake, but they had joy. This wasn't Christians writing this about Christians. This was the heathen writing this about Christians. And that is the truth. Those of us that really love God and walk with God, we know we live in a fallen world. We know there are circumstances and trials and there's unkind people. But we've got something the world can't give and the world can't take it away. We know we're headed to a better place. And we might do some weeping here. This is not the end of the book. Something much better is coming. Can you say amen? amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I'm going to close. I'm going to read this. There's an old prayer. And it goes like this. And I, I read it and I say, that, that's a good prayer. Make me, O Lord, victorious over every circumstance. Make me patient with every person. And with it all, give me joy, which no circumstance and no man will ever take from me. And God's people said, Amen. Amen. Stand with me, please. Stand with me, please. This is a pastor's prayer, heaven's prayer. And let's make it our goal to walk worthy of the Lord. Amen. Let's make it our goal that we're going to properly represent the Lord. He's been so good to us. If you're here today, as our custom, we're going to sing one, say one more prayer, sing a final song. And then you're dismissed if you have to go, but while we sing, if you need a prayer, you're invited to come. Maybe things aren't right. Maybe you need to make a rededication. Maybe you need to come and ask someone about the Lord and just give them your life. Or maybe you're just here and you have a special need. Maybe there's something going on in the family. Maybe there's something physically you need God to touch you and heal you. As we begin to sing this final song of praise to God. If you need a special touch from the Lord, you're invited to come. And we'll pray with you and believe God for you. And the rest of us, let's just close by offering ourselves afresh, joyfully, give God praise for this salvation. God's been good to us. And I don't think it's unacceptable for God have a requirement and a desire for his people. Amen? I, I don't think it's a hard thing. I don't think it's an um, unrealistic thing that the one that died for us and did so much for us should have a certain requirement of us. 
I want to live worthy. I want to walk worthy. I love Jesus. I'm so thankful for all that he's done. And I want my life to say that to my world. Amen. Let us pray. Father, we thank you. Help us to walk worthy and be fruitful. Lord, we thank you for the strength that you give to each one of us to deal with circumstances and to deal with people properly and victoriously. And now, Lord, as we worship you and as we pray one for another, Father, in the name of Jesus, touch those that need a touch from heaven. Let your healing power flow and work mightily. Fill those this morning that feel weary, maybe a little bit exhausted, and they just need the refreshing of the Lord to renew their strength so they can get back in there and fight that fight. And Lord, I pray as we call on your name, may your spirit descend in a special measure, encouraging, strengthening, comforting each and every one. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, let's worship the Lord, let's sing the